Welcome, everybody. Welcome online. I love my church. Free t-shirts this weekend. If you're watching online, sorry, you got to be here, man. We're doing I Love My Church. Hey, people keep asking me, what, what's the deal with the church? I don't know. That's above my pay grade. Somebody said it looked like a Cubs C. I, I, don't, I don't think so. Um, they're just trying to be artsy, you know, I don't know. Um, and there's, our name's not on it because we just want to tell people we love our church. It's not, not, not like Parkview's got it all figured out. We just love our church. And, and we're talking about the, some of the things that make us who we are over the over last week and this week and next week. I'm going to talk about celebrate. we got these three C's that are the basic things that we are about as a church that, that we need everybody to do to contribute, to connect today, and celebrate next week. And, and that's, that's what it all represents for us. How how we come together as Christians. So we'll talk about that. After that, uh, next weekend's Labor Day, we'll do Celebrate. And then the weekend after that, we start a series called Playlist. And we've never done this before, but we, we, we had so much fun with that, the movies, and we're doing that again at Christmas, by the way, because we, it's just fun to take like modern culture and move it in and, and look at how, how it affects teaching. Jesus did that. He was the master at it. So Playlist is going to be uh, some songs. It's going to be just exactly what you think. Uh, I'll be doing a couple of pop songs. Uh, Pastor Todd's going to be doing a, a classic rock ballad. And then I got a country song and, and we're not going to tell you what they are. You won't know till we get here and it'll give us a way to just kind of, it, it'll be a great invite series for you. Okay. If you're, if you're watching online, you've never been here, be a great time for you to say, Hey, you should come and, and, and hear this, be a part of this series. We're going to, we're going to love it. Okay. Uh, connect today. Sociology professor, uh, randomly did this experiment at Christmas, uh, one year he was from Salt Lake city and he sent out Christmas cards to 600 random people, just got their addresses off the internet, didn't know them at all, and thought, I just wonder what'll happen. 600 Christmas cards, 120 return cards, okay? And, and you, know what it, you know what it's like, because you do this too. It's like, uh, you, you get a card from somebody, you're like, oh, we forgot to send them a card. So you send them a card later, and you're like, hey, uh, you know, happy new year, sorry we got our cards out late. Everybody knows you blew them off when you do that, okay? <laughs> Everybody knows you're like, you weren't going to send them in the first place. But, but they did that. And he got 100 and out of 600, 120 people were like, I don't know who he is, but here's a card, right? But he got some great responses also. He said, one of them was, hey, I just got out of the hospital. How great it was to hear from such a good longtime friend. <laughs> Head trauma, I'm, I'm assuming, was the hospital say. Another one said, oh, we had difficulty remembering you, but we remembered you and give our love to your father. He was such a wonderful man. Just make yourself up. Another one said, oh, great to hear from you. We're going to be in Salt Lake City this summer. Do you have room for us? I mean, the, the problem in our society is that, um, I mean, we send Christmas cards to people we don't know. And, and we send Christmas cards to people that we know that we don't know. One of the reasons that I love my church is because it solves one of the most important problems that we have in our lives. And it's a problem that continues to grow greater and greater. And that is the problem of isolation. I mean, we've got friends, we've got social media now, right? You know, and it's friends, but it's different. And there's a lack of community in our culture today. Health insurer Cigna, big company, uh, decided to do a, a, you know, just to do a little survey about isolation and loneliness. And 20,000 adults they surveyed, and, and that's a big study. And 54% of the people came back saying, I don't feel like anybody knows me well. Over half. 40% said, I feel completely isolated from others. I don't have relationships with anybody. Another article I was reading this week said that loneliness is like a plague. 
And they, and they, they said, and you've got to think about this. I mean, it makes sense. You've got dementia, high blood pressure, alcoholism, depression, paranoia, anxiety, even suicide. All of those kinds of things are more prevalent if you don't have people in your life who are sharing the journey with you. They said, according to their statistics, social isolation is the same as 15 cigarettes a day. They said social isolation is twice as deadly as obesity, which means B-dubs and some friends is better than kale salad and nobody. All right? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Started, I, I interpret it the way I want to, okay? But in the beginning, there was community. This is why this is important. God said, let us create man in our own image. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they were all there together. And it was community from the very beginning. And God creates all the world and the, you know, the trees and the elephants and all the stuff. And then he creates man. And when he creates Adam, it's the first time that he says it is not good. First time he says anything, it is not good to be in social isolation. It is not good for man to be alone. And in case you're wondering, he'd only made Adam here, okay? So when it says it's not good for man to be alone, he means dudes. He's talking about men. If he would have made Eve first, he'd probably have been like, ah, she'll be all right, you know? <laughs> am, I, am I right or am I right? I mean, like, he made man... And he was like, oh, man, how are they ever going to find any food in the refrigerator? What will they do with throw pillows? They're not going to know. So he made Eve. It is not good for man to be alone. It's the first time that God says something not good. You were designed to live in community, okay? So, so they come to Jesus along the way. Jesus is here. He hangs out with the disciples, right? Twelve guys. He's in community the whole time. They come to Jesus. They say, Jesus, tell us what the greatest command is. Tell us what the Bible is in a nutshell. And Jesus says, it's community. It, it really, right? He says, it's love God. It's two parts. Don't separate them. Love God and love each other. Somebody comes to you and says, what, what, is, what is the Bible all about? I, give me the God for dummies version of the Bible. It's pretty simple. Love God, love each other. All right. Well, what about the dinosaurs? No, love God, love each other. Did they really live to be 900? Love God, love each other. Don't, don't worry about all that, okay? This is the important part. And it's a two-part answer to the question. And the problem is a lot of people want to live in one part, okay? They want to live in the vertical, you know, just the love God part and skip the, the horizontal. Or they want to live in the horizontal and skip the vertical. And I'm going to tell you, they have to go together. You, you can read a ton of books on relationships and you can read marriage books and romance books and watch Hallmark Christmas movies all you want and your relationships will never be fully developed until you have God in your life. I, I, I promise you that. I mean, you, you, you can do everything you want, but until you get this right, this is never going to be good. But here's the problem. This one, you know, doesn't work well without this one, but this one, it doesn't work well without this one either. Jesus would not allow them to break apart the answer. And I, I know if you're Catholic and you're thinking I'm making the sign of the cross a lot, then glory be to God, okay? It, it is not good for man to be alone. We need this and we need this. That's how the whole thing is supposed to happen. And the huge problem that I've seen doing ministry, I've been doing ministry for 35 years. It's not, it's not just that when we do this, it's, it's incomplete, 
Okay, and we'll talk about that. It's that when we do this without doing this, when we don't have the love our neighbor as ourself part of the commandment down, it really gets in the way of other people wanting to have anything to do with God. Andy Stanley said it this way. Are you familiar with God's going to get themism? God's going to get themism is how I was raised up. The God's going to get themism kind of Christianity and that we're Christians and that they're sinners and God's going to get them, right? And then he said, I started reading the New Testament and I discovered that's not true at all. Jesus didn't say stay away from people because God's going to get them. Jesus said, I want you to live your life among people in such a way that they look at you and they go, wow, look at how they love each other. Look at those one another's going on. Who wouldn't want to be a part of that? God's going to get them ism thing. That's the old covenant. That's the old way. The new covenant is about having it all put together. But when you open the New Testament, Andy said, it's nothing like that. You, 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 if you have a purely vertical orientation, if it's just me and God and God, me and God are good and I don't need people, I don't need the church, I don't need Christian friends, I'm good, it sets you up to be extraordinarily self-centered. It leaves you with all kinds of bad attitudes. Legalistic. It promotes legalism, elitism, racism, judgmentalism, me firstism, and God's going to get themism. I, 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 he's exactly right. If you have if you have this without this, you're going to be missing something. But if you have this without this, you're going to be a Pharisee. That's who Jesus was railing on the whole time in the Bible. It was like, guys, you're not getting it. You got all these things figured out, but you've missed this. And I'll say it this way. If you have love for God, but no love for your neighbor, your neighbor's not going to want anything to do with your God. I think that's why Jesus said it's one command and it's in two parts and you can't break it up. Watch how they did it in the early church. All right. The first Christian church of Jerusalem, the day they start, as soon as Jesus goes back and they get started and have the day of Pentecost, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching, to fellowship, breaking bread and prayer. Okay. What is that? That is vertical. They did the vertical part, right? Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles and all the believers were together. And had everything in common and sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They had the horizontal. It was both and. Then it goes on. It says, every day they continued to meet in the temple courts, which is that, meeting in church. And, and we'll talk about that next week. They did that and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, enjoying the favor of God and man. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved which is the goal, right? I mean, that's why Jesus came. And, and who doesn't want to be a part of that? But it only happens when we do vertical and horizontal at the same time. That's how the whole thing has to work. That's your history lesson, all right? Now, part of the community that I think is so important for us that I really want to zero in on today is this one, that we grow best in community, all right? If you're watching online, all of our campuses, let me just ask you this question. How many of you have ever used a piece of exercise equipment as, I don't know where this thing came from. I, oh, sorry, it fell off. Um, I don't know. 
How many of you ever used a piece of exercise equipment to hang clothes on? Or all, raise your hand. All our campuses online. Raise your hand, right? I mean, we, we, we all have, right? Confession time. We've all done it. And I borrowed this idea from Andy Stanley, by the way. If you bought a piece of exercise equipment or you joined a gym and you didn't use it, okay? Raise your hand. Okay? All right. I mean, it's all of us, right? And the problem there is the difference between belief and action. Because the truth of the matter is, when you bought this, probably sometime around January 1st, <laughs> right? That's when they all go on. Everybody, you know, okay, I'm going to get in shape. When you bought this, you had belief. You had belief. You bought the spandex. You got the Fitbit. You, you know, you got all ready to go because you believed in health. That was really, really important. But belief doesn't do any good. And we're all believers. It doesn't do any good until you actually turn it on and start doing something. It doesn't do any good unless you go to the gym in the first place. Actually, in this case, really belief is irrelevant. It doesn't matter. I mean, you've probably been like me. You've been like, oh, I'm going to go to the gym. I don't think it's doing any good. You know, I, I don't know. I don't even believe in this, but I'm going to do it. You're better off doing it and not believing it than you are believing it and not doing anything about it. So let me ask you, what is the number one factor that moves people from belief to action in regards to working out or their health? It's community. When you decide you want to run a marathon, you really need to go find some other people that want to run a marathon and start running with them. Okay? When you decide that you're going to you know, get in shape, the best thing you can do if you join a health club is to also sign up for a class or get some partners or get some friends to do it with you. The best thing you can do is to hire a trainer because then you know, when it's 5.30 in the morning and the alarm goes off and you're like, oh, I don't think I really want to go, I'm tired, you realize you've already paid for that person to be there and you're not as likely to bail on them, right? And so here's the problem. Every Christian believes it's just the starting point. We're all called believers in the New Testament. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Christianity 101. But like exercise, all believers don't necessarily act on what we believe. Right? I mean, I, I believe in forgiving. I don't always forgive. I believe in loving my enemy. I don't always love my enemy. Very few believers actually give generously the way Jesus talks about. Lay up treasures in heaven. And very few believers do what we talked about last week. If you didn't hear last week, you got a little bit of an excuse. But we, we did this whole thing about serving. And, and Jesus said, now that I have washed your feet, you should wash others' feet. And we're like, yeah, right. Get the towel. Well, did you? I mean, did you serve? who did you serve? Did you sign up to help serve? I mean, you got a card in the bulletin on your way in again. I, I want to tell you, man. We got needs in kids ministry, huge needs in kids ministry. Sign on one of these and we'll get in touch with you. Give it to the balloons, at the people at the balloons or put it around the balloons at all your campuses and jump in. Because we got, we, got we got a lot of needs, people that are coming with their kids and they need us to take care of their kids. Walk up to them and say, hey, how can I help? Walk up to a tech person at, at your campus and say, hey, do you think I could learn how to do that? Stop a parking lot volunteer on your way out and say, you look dead sexy in that yellow vest. How do I get one? They've been griping at me all morning because people have been doing that. Listen, don't, don't just believe you got to act on it. <clears throat> and here's, here's what's important. 
When I bring up community, a lot of times people will say, well, yeah, I got community, Tim. I, I mean, I got, I got good friends. I got people that we hang out with. I got my family. Uh, you know, our kids are on sports teams with these people and we do stuff together. Here's, here's what's important. Are those people helping you move in the right direction? Are those people helping you be more like Jesus, which is the goal? Are they moving you in a place where you look more like Jesus than you did yesterday? Because the relationships you have right now are going to determine where you go. I mean, unless you're the Unabomber, you have relationships, you have people in your life, but are they helping you get to be the person that you really need to be? Are they sharpening you, okay? I don't care what they say on the infomercials, there is no such thing as a knife that doesn't get dull over time. You know what? That's not a knife. That's a knife. Come on, man. I've been working on my crocodile Dundee for three days. That's a knife. That's a knife. That's a knife. I, I don't care. I, it's going to get dull over time, okay? So you need a sharpener. What is a sharpener? It's iron. It's iron sharpening iron. As, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So who's the sharpener in your, in your life? Who, who are the people that do this for you? Who are the people that are in your life helping you move in a place where you can be more like Jesus? Because it's great to have friends. It's great to have community, but they need to be pushing you in the right direction. Listen to the writer of Hebrews. Therefore, there's, there's some theology in here. Stay with me. I'll explain it. Brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, okay, he's writing this, or the writer of Hebrews is writing this to Jews and, and they understand this. Most holy place is where the high priest went. That's where God was. We have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. It's, 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 it's the huge message of Easter. A new and living way opened through us through the curtain that is his body. Okay. Temple veil was torn from top to bottom. Now have access to God. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, we don't need another priest now. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance that our faith brings. And we can draw near to God. What is that? That's, this is all the vertical. Let's draw near to God because the, the veil has been torn. The curtain is open, right? Ha having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. This is it. We got to hold on tight. Hold on tight to the hope, okay? For he who promised is faithful. And how do we do this? And let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. He's saying, look, we're, we're Jesus. Now that you're Jesus followers, you have assurance of your faith, a cleansed conscience. You have direct access to God. The vertical is great. Everything is great here. So let's hold on to that. And he who promised is faithful. Let's hold on to that. But how do we hold on to that? We don't hold on to it this way. We hold on to it this way. Let us spur one another on. Did you catch that? You city folks understand what a spur is, right? You, you get me? You've seen, you know, John Wayne movies or something, right? That's how you poke the horse and make it go. You're like, I get to spur people? <laughs> yeah, and some of you are really good at it. You get to spur each other on to love and good deeds. 
What, what is that? It's the same thing as working out. What do you do when you're working out with somebody? I mean, if you go work out with the people that just want to sit around and drink coffee and talk about, you know, what they saw on Facebook, you can do that. But if you're really, if you've got a trainer, if you're in a class, if you've got people that are really working on you, helping you get more healthy, helping you get fit, whatever, they're going to be the ones that are going to be spurring you, right? They're going to say, come on, one more, you got this. They're going to be there with you to help you out. They're going to say, okay, five more minutes on a treadmill. They're going to say, hey, let's go farther. Let's go, let's do this, okay? That's what's spurring one another on. What, what, what the author of Hebrews is saying is vertical is great and prayer is great and a clear conscience is great and having a priest and not needing a priest and, or a temple and having access, all those things is great, but the horizontal piece is absolutely critical. It's critical to your life. You need one another to spur one another on towards what? Towards love and good deeds. Because love and good deeds aren't easy. Being like Jesus isn't easy. Being a church where the Lord added in their number daily those who were being saved because they were vertical and horizontal, that's not easy. So we need people in our lives doing it together. Because believing it is not enough. Listen to what he said again. Do not give up, do not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And we could talk about worship, we'll talk about that next week. It's important that you come together, but you can't really spur one another on when you're in rows. All right? You might get an elbow from a spouse when the preacher says something they want to make sure you really heard every once in a while, but you can't have these conversations. And the author of Hebrews is saying, you, you can't afford to stop meeting in such a way. It's kind of fascinating because church attendance and, and, and Christian community is becoming less and, and less in our world, especially in the United States these days. And it seems like it's been going on all the way through. And the author's saying, you can't stop doing this. But it's not just about rows, it's about circles. And the reason the greatest commandment has two parts is because if you isolate yourself from the horizontal, and I'm talking real horizontal relationships, you are going to end up isolating yourself from the vertical. And, and, and that may be why some of you left a church in your life in the first place, okay? That, that may be it. Maybe, maybe you're back. Maybe you're just watching online because you were in church and, and you were in a vertical church, but there wasn't any horizontal. And it just kind of got to be, man, I don't know if I need that anymore. That's what happens. Or maybe you were in uh, horizontal uh, relationships with people that were toxic. It happens. Human beings are that way. Listen, maybe it's time for you to, to just hang out and, and, and come and be a part of things. But I've got to tell you, if you don't get intentional about the horizontal, the vertical is going to go away. And at some point in your life, you're going to end up looking at your faith and it's going to look like this treadmill over in the corner of your bedroom with clothes laying all over it, and you're gonna go, how did that happen? How did that happen? I don't understand. Well, it's, it's because this went away. Sometimes I hear from people, you know, I, we're gonna leave Parkview, or uh, we, we're not really happy at Parkview because we need something deeper. Let me process that for you, okay? What that usually means is I, I want a different kind of teaching and I want you to, you know, quit telling jokes, I, whatever it is. I, I, want, I want something different in my life. I want a different row experience, okay? But, but here's, here's what I'm going to tell you. You don't ever get healthier by listening to a better workout video. 
Am I right? I mean, oh, man, that, that a, I mean, you, 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 it just doesn't matter, okay? I, I work out at Body Tech down, down in Mokina. I've been doing it for a long time. And they have classes going on in there. Like my friend Marla is like one of the teachers in there sometimes. Like I walked into her class one time, tried to do kickboxing, and I was there for 15 minutes. It was, it was above my pay grade. I couldn't do it. I could stand outside the doors there, you know, with my coffee, and I could go, wow, she is really killing it today. She's really in good voice. Oh, wow, that, that, that move they just made, that was really impressive. It is not going to help me unless I do something about it. A classroom setting where you can soak up more information is not going to lead to transformation. We need information, but transformation only happens when you are in relationship. It only happens when we can encourage one another, right? Instill courage in one another. That's what the author said. Encourage me to do the selfless thing, to do the generous thing, to forgive, to love my enemies. I need somebody doing that. I already know I'm supposed to do it. My question is, who do you have in your life that's actually spurring? Okay? That, that, who are your spur people? Is there anyone in your life or are there a group of people in your life that are spurring you on, to use the Hebrews term, encouraging you to love and good deeds? And, and I'll, make, I'll address the same thing that I addressed last week when it comes to people of the cloth, okay? I don't know if this is cloth or not. I did wear a robe last week. Just, you know, note that, okay? Um, but, but the problem is there's a lot of stuff in the news these days, like there seems to be a lot. And, and, and if you want to ask me about failures of pastors or priests or, 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 or whatever, it's a logical question. We all have to ask ourselves the same. How does it keep happening? How can someone have a passion for God and a calling for God and yet abuse their office and abuse people and even abuse children? I mean, how, how is that possible? And I will tell you, last week I, I said it's because they forgot to pick up the towel. They, they, they've left the towel and they aren't serving. But I will tell you, I think the greater problem is what happens to the sea that we're talking about today which is connect. They didn't have spur people in their lives. Or they had spur people in their lives and they lied to them. Okay? It's that simple. I mean, whatever you hear, I mean, it doesn't matter. It's got to be true. But if something is true that you hear about somebody like that um, f falling, failing, it's because they didn't have spur people or they lied to the spur people in their lives. You need to know, I've got... I've got a board of elders that are spur people in my life. Many of them have been with us for 15, 20 years, and they're my bosses, and they oversee what goes on. And, and I spend as much time with them as I do just about anybody in the congregation or my staff because uh, I'm, I'm accountable to them, and they're my friends, and they, they, they hold me to that. But the probably more important relationship of spur people in my life is if you heard my friend Greg Nettle a couple of weeks ago who preached here for me, the one with the wimpy little, you know, Imago Dei tattoo on his wrist. Um, Greg and I and a couple of other pastors who are in the same life stages and the same uh, kind of places in our life, three, 15 years ago now, the, the, the four of us linked together to become an accountability group. 
And I can tell you that after 15 years, we've called each other out on a whole lot of stuff, and we all wrestle with a lot of the same issues, and, and, and many of us have been in counseling for different things, and we know stuff about each other, and I've also got two brother-in-laws that are, uh, that are pastors, and we're very close, and I can tell you that those five guys know more about my life than my children do. They know more about my life than anybody except for my wife because they're my spur people. And I'm on the, even though none of them live here, we, we're, we're close to each other. We spend time together and, and they're spur people in my life. And they have access, they have permission to, to, to stick the spurs in and say, hey, I think this might be a problem. Does anybody have that kind of permission in your life? Does anybody have access to you? Or have you given up meeting together? Is there, is there a place, is there an experience where you are in a place where people can speak into your lives? We do Rooted around here. It's a great place for you to get connected and do this, okay? Unfortunately, it's full again, which is, I say with a, you know, little tongue-in-cheek because it's great. This is the third time we've offered it and the third time it's sold out before we got to the, to the time that it's happening. So in January, I want to encourage all of you, get signed up ahead of time because it's a 10-week time where you get together with people and you talk about this stuff. You talk about how to be rooted in Christ because that's our goal. That's what we do, okay? But the most powerful week of that is the week of strongholds. Everybody that's unrooted will say the same thing. The week on strongholds. Because if it's a couples group, the men and the women break up and they, they talk about it separately. And usually just about every group has somebody in it that shares something where the devil has got a hold of them. He's got a stronghold on them. The evil one's got a stronghold somewhere and we've all got them. And they share it for the first time. And you know from AA and all the other programs, until you've got that kind of accountability, it's never going to get better. It's never going to be where you want it to be. Let us continue how to meet together and let us spur one another on to love and good deeds. And you're like, well, you said Rudy was full. Yeah, I did. But if you look in your bulletin, there's a lot of things that we have going on. We have a men's study getting ready to start. We have women's studies going on. We have a couple study uh, on my favorite book uh, about marriage coming up. Uh, Emerson Eggers' book, uh, Love and Respect. We've got, we've got all kinds of things for you to get involved in. And you can also see that we have student groups getting ready to start. Let me say this to you. If you are a parent... Your kids desperately need this. If you're a parent of junior high, senior hires, they desperately need this. I used to do youth ministry back in the day. I thought it was hard to be a teenager back then. Man, it's way, way, way harder now. And they need to have people in their life and, and an adult that can help them and guide them along the way. That kicks off in a couple of weeks. If you are a parent of, of under sixth graders, I want to encourage you to try to come to the same service every week if you can you know why? Because our kids are in groups. I mean, they have big group and then they have small group. And if they're in the same small group with, you know, other little kids that are, that are their age, they can get to know each other and they can start to develop friendships. And I mean, it's not like they share, you know, their deep problems when they're four, you know, Hey, I made it through the night without wetting the bed. They don't, it's not like... <laughs> It's not that kind of thing, but the relationship thing is huge. Just knowing people, just having friends, because this world doesn't work the way that it used to. And they need that. They desperately need that. And listen, I know you're going to say you don't have time for it. And I get it. Those of you who said, I don't have time for exercise, right now you're thinking, man, I wish I would take the time because I know I would feel better. I, I know that would help me. And those of you that did would say, yeah, I'm glad I did. 
And those of you that are listening to me right now going, yeah, I should really do this, but I don't think I have time. That's where you're going to be at with this community thing. And those of you who have those people in your life right now, you're like, man, I just can't even imagine what my life would be like if I didn't have these people. Nathan from our New Lenox campus sent me a story about Ty and Jackie. They're longtime Parkview people, and they were part of our launch team at our New Lenox campus. Jackie was involved in kids and Ty was an usher. I mean, part of it is serving. You get to know each other and have accountability just there. But they decided to jump in and and do a rooted group. And then after rooted was over, they uh, stuck together as a men's group and a women's group meeting kind of separately and doing their own thing as they went from there. Four months after rooted got over, Ty was uh, diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. And he now had a group. He now had spur people. He now had people that love and good deeds could happen in his life. And they were automatically there. And they walked with him every step of the way. They even went to the hospital to do small group with him from time to time when he was doing treatment. I I love, that is the picture of the church, okay? That's what it's supposed to be. That's why I love my church. Sadly for us and gladly for Ty, Um, Treatments didn't work, and he went home to see Jesus not long after that. He got in the ultimate vertical relationship and the ultimate horizontal relationship, and we will have to wait to be at that point. But Pastor Nathan was relating the story to me, and he said, at the funeral service, Ty wanted me to make sure that I publicly thanked my small group for their support and their encouragement as he fought the cancer. He said, I believe God put them around me because he knew I was about to fight for my life and I don't know what I would have done without him. And now we pray for Jackie and her group has stuck together and surrounded her and supporting her during this difficult time. This is what it's supposed to be about. Listen to it again. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts, okay? Vertical, worship, and they broke bread together and in their homes, and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I mean, that's really the goal. The goal is not just that I can become more like Jesus so that I can feel better about myself, feel more spiritually healthy. The goal is that I can be more like Jesus so that everybody else can see Jesus in me and more people will want to have that in their life. That's why I love my church. And that's what we're about. Let's pray. Lord, I, I pray for Jackie. I pray for people that are listening to me right now that wish they had those people in their life. Lord, don't, don't let them think it's too late. doesn't matter what's gone on. We need to have spur people in our life. We need to have encouraging people in our life that are there for us in, to push us when we need to be pushed and they're there to hold us and to pray for us and to love us when we need to be loved. I thank you for the ones I have in my life and I pray for everyone listening to me that they will understand what the church is about is loving you and loving our neighbor as ourselves. It's about loving you and loving each other and we cannot separate that. And when that happens, other people are gonna see it. They're gonna want it. They're gonna wanna join us. And it is for that that we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.